Hello, you gorgeous beings. My name is Felicity Malay, and this is Fierce Gentle, the Courageous Voice podcast, where we reclaim voice, courage, and power through conversations and poetry. I want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, that this is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, you magnificent muffins. Here we are for our third interview as part of Fierce Gentle, the Courageous Voice podcast. This is a really special show and it features an interview with the creators of Fearless Movement Collective, Bowie Stover and Zay Cantors. They are not only two very personal friends of mine, but they're also very special to me in a really unique way. And you'll get to understand about that as the episode rolls on. In this episode, we unpack their experiences running a business aimed at the trans and gender diverse community. We look at their exploration of identity and how they truly discovered who their target market actually are and the mistakes they made in the process. We also go to some deeply intimate and vulnerable places as we open up and share publicly about our journey in a three-way relationship or thruple and their experiences queer poly dating in a straight monogamous world. It's a very tender and revealing episode, which took a lot of courage and honesty from all of us. We explore what it is to discover our own demons and bad habits and work through them, crafting deeper and more honest relationships. I feel deeply grateful that they were willing to unpack all this with me. I hope you gain a lot from this episode. I know that I did. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Bowie and Zay. How you doing? Good, thank you. Hey, Felicity. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being here and doing this with me. You're welcome. You're most it's welcome. A pleasure. Yes. <laughs> um, so nobody, maybe nobody, some people might know who you are already. I mean, I'd be surprised if they didn't because I think you're awesome. But um, how I know you because I met you and got a huge crush on you uh, in the very early <laughs> stages of knowing you both. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I'm sure that's not the only reason that people would know you. So could you give a little introduction individually or as a unit, however you want to go, about who you are? Do you want to go first, Zay? Sure. I would love to go first. <laughs> um, so I'm Zay. I use they, them pronouns. And I am co-founder of um, a Fearless Movement Collective, which is a business that we run together and started together, um, supporting the queer community and specifically working with transgender and gender diverse folks to help them transition and um, work on their bodies in a fitness space um, through online fitness, nutrition and mindset coaching. Yeah. And that's a bit about me. I identify as gender fluid and queer and I just love our amazing community and um, something that I'm very involved in and I love skateboarding, snowboarding, any kind of board sports, that's me Um, and while I can't really go snowboarding very much, I am bouldering here in Melbourne and I just love climbing and it feels like just such a awesome thing to just climb walls and then 
climb back down them. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so fun when you say it like that. Yeah, and then just be like, I got to the top. Yes, winning. And um, I've got two dogs or we've got two dogs um, that I'm just, I love so much, Archie and Floki. And, um, yeah, I'm an animal lover. That's a bit about me. <laughs> awesome. And, and to add to that, you're building a skate bowl at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I'm currently building a skate ramp. Um, I've changed it actually from a bowl to a skate ramp because I've tried to do the corners of the bowl and it's just too hard. And, <laughs> and I don't really but need corners. Clarify, too hard. Single-handedly, single-handedly trying to build a bowl, a skate bowl, is a massive feat. So, like, even just single-handedly yeah. building, you know, a Skate ramps is huge, so well done. Thank you. And I've never built anything in my life. Um, you haven't. You've gone big early. Yeah, it's the first <laughs> thing I've ever built. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of what I've done so far. It is fun to, to skate on. Great. Bo. Hello. My name is Bowie. I use they, them pronouns. I am the second half of the business feels from the collective that Zay spoke about. I'm a fitness coach. Um, I work especially with Russian-style kettlebell training because I'm mainly slightly addicted to kettlebells. Uh, <laughs> I've been working with them for like eight years. Um, they're a good bit of fun. I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is my all-time favourite sport where I learn how to choke people and break arms uh, in, a, in a cooperative and collaborative sort of way with other people. I'm not actually breaking their arms. We just pretend to break each other's arms. Consensual. <laughs> with, with the plan that if one day I should ever real life have to do it, I know how to. It's fun. <laughs> one day I will compete when COVID goes away and competitions start again. <laughs> I also uh, do bouldering. Zay got me into that. Uh, so I also like to climb up and down walls. Not quite as well as Zay does it, um, but still it's a bit of fun. <laughs> I just have become a motorbike rider and bought my first motorbike. Oh, yes. And oh, what bike did you get? I got a Royal Enfield Himalayan. It's like a combination on-road, off-road bike. Helps they get one for their birthday first at the start of the year and then it's so badass that I decided I need to go out and get a motorbike license and a motorbike as well. So yeah. now we can have motorbike adventures together on matching bikes. That makes us more queer gang-like, I like to think. Yeah, it, it's very <laughs> yeah. it's very queer couple. I mean, the fact that you're currently co-sharing one set of, of, of AirPods uh, between the two of you or whatever they are. <laughs> right now. For those of you who can't see the video, we have, um, they have one in each ear. <laughs> yeah, couple goals. <laughs> we were just pressing our heads together. Yeah, I can't I quite hear the left side through your head, but <laughs> close. Let, let's speak to couple goals because I actually think that for me, the two of you have been, yeah, you've really um, shown me some couple goals, actually, through knowing you. Um, and 
I mean, there's all the work that you do in your business and the fact that you run a business together as a couple is huge. Anyone who's tried to do anything with an intimate partner outside of, you know, breakfast and sex will understand that there's a lot to it, especially running a business. But also the way that you two have grown and communicated over the years. I've known you when I met you, you'd only been together about a year, I think, maybe less than a year. And, um, yeah, just w- watching your journey. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you onto the podcast. So part of it is, you know, the work that I see you doing out in the world and what you're putting out there. And the other part of it is the way you two work as a couple and also my relationship with the two of you, which is very unique and our now, our, you know, ever growing and evolving friendship that has come from that. Um, I'm going to give a bit of an overview of my relationship to the two of you. Oh, I'm blushing already. <laughs> <laughs> and how that's changed. Because I first met you at a co-working space that a friend was running, our dear friend Ostie was running a co-working space. And the two of you at the time, and this is a whole other thing I'd love to talk about actually with you, was that the two of you at the time were setting up a website for, um, was it for fitness for lesbian mums that was your that was your target audience at the time wasn't it That's how we started yeah we started with one client yeah, one lesbian <laughs> mum and we thought well if that's who we attract then that's our target audience yeah. <laughs> but okay so speaking actually I should probably finish hang on we'll come back to that because I'm going to finish what I'm saying first in true double Gemini style I want to go off everywhere but um so I met you there and then I had my heart smashed to pieces uh, in the relationship with my girlfriend at the time. And these mm. these wonderful, these two wonderful beings appeared either side of me and was like, hey, why don't you come and hang out with us? We can be friends. And um, very quickly we escalated to more than friends, uh, friends and other element sides. I don't like the idea of more than friends, but, you know, friends with other elements of our relationship. And we were in a beautiful three-way, we, what do we call ourselves, a thruple? I think we called ourselves a thruple, didn't we? That, that word reminds me of the word frumpy. I'm not a fan of it, but I guess for lack of <laughs> for lack of something better, you were our girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, I was your girlfriend um, for about, for a couple of years, actually, that went on yeah, for. Yeah, it was a while. And that, I think, is a really unique thing that I would love to bring in. And then the fact is, uh, and then how our relationship kind of like has drifted apart and how we're still really good friends. And Zay is actually, you know, massively integrated in Mother Tongue, which is my not-for-profit organization, our not-for-profit organization, because Zay's yes. on the board. Um, <laughs> and just seeing how our friendship has continued to evolve. And I, I felt like bringing us together to talk about that might be really interesting for the people who listen to the podcast and that they might, I don't know, find, find it intriguing. I mean, I, I'm a total voyeur, right? I would love to, <laughs> I'd love to listen to things like this, but also um, the, the kind of communication level that's needed to be able to do that, I think is really interesting. So let's go back to the thing I was going to ask you a minute ago and then we'll jump into the relationship stuff. So this podcast a big part of it is about expressing our voices and finding our voices. And what I've witnessed in your journey as a business is finding your identities in your own queerness at the same time as finding your identity as a business and who your target market was. And I'd love to hear from you what that journey has been like for you, because you did start with 
fitness for lesbian mums and you weren't lesbian mums when you when you started that and I found that really fascinating so I'd love to hear your journey your experience of it yeah do you want to go there sure I can go um it's a huge question because the journey has been massive and it's been so changing um the whole time and I love it though like in in reflection like watching the journey and how like I personally have grown um with my own messaging and my own ability to communicate um in multiple areas like me me coming out as gender fluid um after we had built our like started building our business and then discovering who I was and how I um, understood myself and communicated to the world, um, how we communicated to our community through our business and how Bowie and I communicated with each other and also um, like as business partners as well as partners, um, life partners. Um, and I think with regards to our messaging, when we first, like for our business messaging and who our audience was, well, we didn't really know when we started our business. Um, we had, we started our business not knowing what the hell we wanted to do at all. Started our business on our drive down from Queensland when I moved yeah. down here. Both jobless. <laughs> we had no jobs and we were moving into, you know, the downstairs area of my parents' house and we were like, what the hell are we going to do? We've just started this new relationship. Let's We've, put a business in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we thought, why, why the hell not? Bo's a fitness trainer. I... Um, in hindsight, you know, it's been very presumptive. It's like, well, this is obviously going to work, so we need to start a business together. <laughs> yeah. And we knew that we needed to um, have a niche audience. And when we, not a niche, we just needed to find a niche. Yeah. And we went through multiple different niches and a lot of them didn't suit us. They were just niches that people told us to, to do um, or thought that we should do. We got um, ideas and advice from all sorts of people. Um, it wasn't long. I'd only, I'd only just come out as non-binary just a, uh, like a few months before we started the business as well. So I think at the time we we kind of talked about early on supporting yeah. transgender diverse people. We didn't think that they would be interested. I think we didn't think that what we knew was enough because we were so new to the community. Like I was still exploring my gender expression. I still hadn't changed my name officially. Like I'd started, like only just started using a new name, like in my transition. And so it was so early. And We I didn't know anyone. We didn't know anyone. We didn't know anything about the TGD with all the trans and gender diverse community. Um, so we kind of was like, we could. Nah, no one's probably going to want that. It took about a year, though. We tried, we, we tried, we ran a competition and a lesbian mum won our competition, which is what gave us the idea to get started. Yeah. <laughs> but then we pretty quickly realised when we got kind of engaged with that community, they weren't so interested in being physically active. Not that's, that's a generalisation, but just the ones we engaged with. <laughs> we were more so um, targeting rainbow families. Yeah. Um, as a whole. Um, and after talking to a lot of families, we, um, one of the main points that we got from them was that they don't want 
a lot of people don't, a lot of rainbow families didn't want to be training. They wanted to spend time with their kids or watch their kids like play around and have fun. And for them to sit back and drink coffee and drink wine and eat cheese. <laughs> I mean, and there's nothing as a wrong with that. In the rainbow family, I have no idea what you're talking about. I really, no, I do. I have absolutely, I absolutely. <laughs> I, think I, did, I think I did half a training session with Bowie and then sat down and poured myself a chai and watched my child run around. That's pretty much what I do, yeah. <laughs> but it was you a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really great lesson to learn. And we actually. Um, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were doing the right thing by actually talking to the people that we were wanting to reach out to and learning the the lessons. It's like don't sell something to people that that they don't want. Yeah. Um, so then we kind of stepped back to looking at the trans and gender diverse community and said, well, hey, like let's – this is – because I had realised by that point it's like, okay, I had indirectly started transitioning years ago when I started – fitness training because I wanted to shape my body to look a certain way. And in hindsight, it's like, ah, dude, that was transitioning. (laughs) Just didn't have the language or the understanding. Um, So, yeah, we, we started thinking. It's like, well, if I was able to do this, surely we can help other people in the community do it and we didn't see anyone else around doing it or, Mm. or anything like that. There was no, there's no access or there's not a lot of safe access spaces for people who want to move their bodies who happen to also live a trans or gender diverse experience. Mm. And so we just started talking about it and just started saying this is what we do and the feedback that we got from the community and was that that was amazing and really needed and the support that we got from other people um, yeah. who are in the in, in this space, in the community, was just incredible. And we wouldn't be where we are today if we hadn't have gone out and just involved ourselves into the community and just going to events, just connecting with people. Yeah. And that was really affirming um, to us that this is, this is the path that we should be on. Yeah, yeah. it's been five um, years now. It's our fifth birthday coming up, a fifth birthday wow. in... September. Mm-hmm. I actually remember your first, I think it was one of your first um, trans and gender diverse training. It was like a free thing that you ran um, and you were so nervous, Bowie. You were so nervous about doing it. I don't know if that's the first one or if I'm just totally projecting it, but I remember you doing one and being really nervous about it. And I just love having seen that seed plant and seeing where it's grown. I guess for me, what I what I witnessed and looking at it from myself as someone who focuses so much about finding our voices is I feel like as you were finding your voices in your own identity and you were making community, you were attracting community and you were also reaching out, like you said, networking, going out and meeting people that you were beginning to find your voice in your business. And to me, like, I see that as like your ideal clients were kind of yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. A, a lot of the people we, well, mainly our clients are other folks who are non-binary, um, more so than anything else, I think. Yeah. yeah. Can I share something that I found really interesting? And this is kind of more to do with marketing and marketing communication. Um, because at the beginning of our business, we were like, you know, how do we write about things? How do we communicate um, through our website and through our posts and all that kind of stuff? And what mm-hmm. I learned was that you need to... Um, pull on people's pain points. 
you know, like make people feel the pain. So that's part of a lot of the things that we would write about, like are you feeling, you know, like you're not like you're not yourself or you're in the wrong body, like things that are really painful. And I used to look at our website and be like, wow, our website's really depressing. (laughs) I feel like it's like, you know, being in this community, it's so hard, like being trans, being gender diverse, like what a struggle. And interestingly, interestingly, that's the, the people that we are we attracted? Yeah. People in the community and um, and it totally sucks that people are in, in this place but there's so many people that are really struggling with I- their identity and they were coming to us wanting training but actually not ready for yeah, it. Yeah, not having the capacity, like still still caught in that trauma cycle and not, not at a point where they were able to process and kind of move forward. Mm. And we didn't really have many clients that really stayed with us for very long no. because... Um, they just weren't ready for it. But the messaging on our website and in our marketing was really connecting with them. And um, it's definitely oh, it's definitely something that um, like, like a space where people need support, but it wasn't what we could give them. Mm. And what we did was, you know, changed our messaging to, you know, positiveness, you know, we, like that being trans, being gender diverse is amazing and wonderful and um, and working on our bodies and, you know, transitioning through fitness is a, a wonderful thing to do and it's empowering and all that kind of stuff and we and once we changed that messaging on our website and everything like we started attracting a different kind of person a person that really resonated with that message and we now have clients that oh, are our crew have been with us for years yeah, yeah like and really connect with with um with us and love what we do so that i found was just so important like mm. the your messaging connects with different people um and that was something that I learned firsthand um yeah super cool absolutely I remember when my um I totally hear that difference as well in the languaging and how how we phrase the same thing can attract completely different people depending on where their mind space is in that time um and this idea of attracting like completely different people to who you thought you'd be attracting as well like when I when my witch's poem came out it sounds absurd to say it, but I actually, it did not even occur to me that it would connect with the pagan Wiccan community. Like it didn't even like, it didn't even occur to me, even though like the title is witches. And then when this wave of people from that community who I love and appreciate, like it's been so amazing having them uh, in, in my kind of uh, my following, but it was a shock when I started to be asked to be, be interviewed for like leading or like, um, well-known pagan, you know, radio stations and, and magazines. And I was like, I, why are you guys coming to me? I'm just like a, you know, I didn't see myself in, in that way, even though I identify with a lot of overlapping things. Um, and it's made, it made me really aware of the languaging that I use as well and how that attracts different people when we speak. Mm. Um, I'd like to I'd like to switch from business to pleasure if, if you're open to it. <laughs> Oh, yes, it's a good transition. Sure. <laughs> you know, that, that, that wasn't an enthusiastic consent in my, in my eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's please, let's stop talking about business. I talk about it way too much. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, 
I want to talk about our relationship, um, which is what we agreed that we'd talk about. Just so people know, I'm not just jump, dumping this on them. We agreed <laughs> to talk about this before, before, we, before we came on. Um, and when I think about our relationship coming together, one of the that there's a couple of pivotal moments for me that stand out. Um, I'm going to go for the, for the I'm going to instantly filter out all the ones that aren't really available for, for other people's ears necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily PG, but just not X-rated. Um, and I'm going to, the one that jumps to mind is being at Abbotsford Convent with you. Um, it was after our first evening of intimacy that we shared and it was just a few days later and the three of us met up and I went for, because originally it was Bowie and I that had quite um, a big spark between us. And although there was a connection between all three of us, that one was appearing to be like a real major connection. And I was really, you know, drawn to both of you, but the idea of, of there being a relationship between the three of us just it hadn't even occurred to me. It just wasn't even, it, it wasn't occurring to me. And I, and Zay and I, we went for a walk. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And we went for a, a long walk together and we talked about uh, ourselves and we talked about our connection and we talked about my connection with Bowie and your connection with Bowie. And, um, and then when we came back and we sat down, I think it was that order anyway, that it was pitched this, the, you, the two of you kind of like pitched that we would connect as a, as a thruple, as a three people. You're right, thruple, it sounds like like tuppence. It makes me think of a thruple and a tuppence. It's a terrible word. I can't remember what word we used. Which makes me think of the was. old lady with the pigeons. It's like a Mary Poppins song or something like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. All right. I'll take that. I can be Mary Poppins. That's fine. <laughs> I've just got a big bag full of lovers and I just pull them out on my one. <laughs> like Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay, no, that's just, that's just in my head. Um, but, yeah, I want to – what was that period like for the two of you when – we'd had this kind of surprise evening. Oh, in my eyes it was surprising, but I wonder if there'd been some co-conspiratoring happening before that first night when we connected. But I'd love to hear and to talk about your experience as a couple integrating somebody new in that way. It was interesting. I've, I've always been in open relationships. I've, I once tried a monogamous relationship and it lasted three months. It wasn't a fun time. Uh, so, so for myself, um, and even when I'd first, when Zay and I first met, I was with, uh, an ex-partner, but we had had a threesome together. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> you forget that. My gosh. No. <laughs> I <can> never forget <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> So even when Zay and I had met, I was um, I was in an open relationship. So I'd kind of always just had it in my head that I guess that was for me. That's that was what was normal. Um, when Zay and I first get, got together, we didn't really talk about it um, about having an open relationship. I didn't communicate well. I guess that that was kind of my preference. I had of no things. idea. You, yeah, I think it was a bit new for you. I don't um, even think I knew what polyamory was, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never languaged it. Like I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but it was just kind of how I've always been. Um so then when 
I uh, had like I felt quite attracted to you, uh, and I had shared that with Zay. I think it definitely sparked a pretty interesting conversation. It's more than quite attracted. What was that like for you, Zay? What, what, when you say you say more than quite attracted, and then you look at Bo, um, I want to hear about that that moment for you. So what was that like for me? Yeah, that moment when Bo expressed that. Mm. I have to say that I struggled with it. One, when we, like my whole life, I had I have never really been in a relationship, a proper, I mean, I've had had a couple of relationships but not one as serious as um, being with Bowie. Um, so my communication in relationships wasn't that good to begin with. And I'm a pretty easygoing kind of person. I just go with the flow. So, um, and when Bo had feelings for you and I knew that you had feelings for Bowie, I didn't really know what I was feeling. I didn't know what I was experiencing, but I was experiencing something and, um, I think it was fear. I was afraid because I thought you were a total babe and I was attracted to you, but I was terrified because I had my own self-esteem issues. I didn't think that I was good enough. I thought mm. Bowie's amazing, Fleecy's amazing, I'm not very amazing. They are amazing together and oh, so babe. hot <laughs> and I am afraid that I might mm. lose, I was afraid that I might lose Bowie. And I didn't know about poly relationships. I didn't know how that would work or what it would look like and we hadn't talked about it. And it seemed pretty comfortable to Bowie. And on the outside, I was, you know, ex like I was, I think that I was um, being easy going and going with the flow because that was, how I have learnt to be, how I have learnt to get on with my life. Um, and this is something that I just, um, yeah, really struggled with for a while internally because I wanted Bowie to be happy mm. and I wanted to be happy and I thought this is, you know, this is going, in my mind I was telling myself, like, this is a great thing, like, this is enriching our lives. This is, you know, a wonderful thing. But underneath all of that was just this fear. And mm. I was so afraid to talk about it. And I didn't because I wasn't very good at communicating back then. I didn't know that it was okay to be feeling feelings like fear and even jealousy. And, you know, with my self-esteem, my low self-esteem is like mm -hmm. a layer that's just kind of sitting on top of that, like just holding it down. Um, all of that kind of ate away at me. Yeah, and we had some tough conversations. Yeah. The moment that I talked about it, which I think was way, not I think, it was definitely way, way, way too late to start talking about it, um, that was when I realised how important it is in relationships like this, in any relationships, to be open about everything, not just the good feelings but the shitty feelings and the really ugly feelings. And the more that I am open about all the ugly feelings that I have and the ugly, even the ugly thoughts that I have, 
just being honest about it, it's okay. Mm. You know, the mm. people who love you, they love you. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's what important you're... to know kind of where you're at and what's going on for you because, like, I was highly aware that my actions and where I was at were impacting you and impacting us and it wasn't about just what I wanted. Um, it was about what you wanted as well mm. and supporting you as as well as, like, working out what I can do to help support me. And did all, did all this happen before our first sexual encounter or was this happening after that? Because I just want to clarify with everybody who's listening that nothing happened without consent at any point, with everybody's consent at every point. So the first time that Bowie reached out to me and said, hey, if you ever want to hang out as a friend, I'm here, my first response was, yeah, but I need you to know that I'm really attracted to you and I need Zay to know that and I need that to be okay for both of you. And so, like, every single step of the way, it's not that we weren't talking about it, but I think that sometimes we talk about things, but there are bits that we can't even admit to ourselves. So how do we talk about that stuff that we can't even admit to ourselves? Because, um, yeah, so I just wanted to really clarify that level of it, that it was even when you are doing things right, there's still so much to learn about ourselves in that process and there has to be space for that, I think. And interesting when you say, Zay, that, you know, you were there and you were looking at um, Bowie and me and seeing yourself as not enough, I was thinking, well, there's no point in, I don't even know if Zay even likes me. I don't think Zay likes me. That was my thought because I thought that the connection between you and I wouldn't be able to be there because I didn't think that you wanted it or liked me. And it was only when we actually sat down and talked about it that I, we both really kind of realised what was actually going on. Mm. I actually didn't believe that you liked me um, <laughs> until we had that walk, even though you had said it. Um, and that was probably before I knew you well enough to know that you don't lie about these kinds of things, that you are a honest person who speaks their mind and yeah well prior to that like Felicia you and I we we spoke a lot we spoke probably daily um for quite a, a long time before and like any before it went anywhere like we were definitely connecting and learning about each other much more um so then not that it was excluding Zay I think initially it was you and I talking and then we started a three-way chat um, for mm. all of us to be involved. But initially it was just you and I talking. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that one of the things that, that we had to really look at was the different types of connection. And it came up in sexuality, but it also came up in conversation and in just energetics around each other. And I remember sitting with Zay and Zay like, naming the fire that was between Bowie and I and how much fire there was there. And I kind of looked at you, Zay, and I was like, yeah, but there's fire there for you as well. It's just with with... Bowie, it's like a big bonfire, and with you, it's like a room full of candles, um, and and it's like they're both fires and they're both there, but they just look really, really different, and neither one's better than the other. It's just they're a completely different feeling, and so to meet you in meeting you both in in those different feelings, and sometimes at exactly the same moment, like in bed together or cuddling or watching movies or or going for walks and having these two very different fires burning at the same time. Um, that were both equally as relevant and worthy. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that was really hard for me to comprehend at the beginning 
because I think I just, the relationships that I've seen displayed to me through my family and on, you know, me in the media and in the world around us is that you need to be everything for one person. And, mm-hmm. and then if you're not, then you're not good enough. <laughs> um, and that belief has definitely, well, I've definitely changed that. And it's so much better knowing that you don't have to be everything or the same thing for so a person. Like a lot of pressure, hey? do it or else yeah and I mean if it is there, I mean my, my current relationship we're not everything for each other but we it, it, it's someone who fills a lot of my needs they meet a lot of my needs without us having to try and I think that's completely fine but I think the expectation in you know heteronormative monogamous culture is you meet someone of the opposite sex and they fulfill everything. They are their psychiatrist, their best friend, their the business partner, their their lover, their the they're your support, they're your, you know, companion, they're all of these things. And I think it's really rare and hard to find all that in one person, you know. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. And and it's an unfair to put that on somebody if they don't fulfill those things and to, you know, to, to make them have to carry that weight. It's like it devalidates the gen, the genuine connection you do have and the ways that they do meet you. Mm, absolutely. And, and you can't force, you know, a room full of candles into a bonfire, you know, and you can't do the same, like, as much as you might want to. Like, I know, I remember there was a part of me that was like, oh, but shouldn't I be, like, the bonfire? <laughs> Why can't I, I be burning be flame? Is the, is, the burning, is the burning bonfire, like, better than the room full of candles? Is the room full of candles a bit lame? <laughs> that know, just made me think about the Monopoly pieces you can choose. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants the dog, but you end up with the boot. <laughs> I always like the boot or the... <laughs> The wheelbarrow. <laughs> the wheelbarrow, yeah. The wheelbarrow, yeah. yeah. No, I always wanted to And this is the perfect, you're right, that's a perfect example. Um, and for me what I found really interesting is over time how, you know, the our relationship has changed. So at the beginning, you know, Bo and I, we would talk a lot. We were very connected um, and communicative. And then they went to a phase where you and I, Bo, had sp- stuff come up you know, and we struggled. And there was also stuff coming up for you and Zay. There was some stuff that you were looking at in yourself. I'm not going to speak to exactly what that was because that's your place. But, um, and I remember that that actually gave a corridor for Zay and I to connect more. Um, And we were able to be there for each other in that space and that time. And I found that, and I think that really speaks to the changing relationship, the changing nature of relationships and how when you're able to communicate really clearly that yeah, I don't know that there is this smoothness of well, there is this movement, this fluid, this fluidity. It's like like my like my gender and my sexuality. You know, it all changes and it moves, and um, and it's and when we allow that to be, rather than trying to hold it rigid, how how many doors that that opens actually? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was a learning. It was a steep learning curve. Um, Particularly for me, like with, because I'd, I'd had like a lot of open relationships, but they weren't 
healthy. They weren't based on communication. There was a lot of a lot of unhealthy ways of having a relationship with people that I had learned because of previous partners. And mm. so for that coming up for me kind of in our relationship and, and how that played out, yeah, I guess hearing from the both of you, like what, how my um, actions were affecting you was definitely kind of a, a big realisation for me. Zay and I were having this conversation the other morning actually. Um, just hearing is just like, okay, what you're doing is, is not great. Like here's how it's affecting me but then also having you, Felicia, being like, hey, your actions aren't great. Here the house, here's how they're affecting me and me being like, Oh, okay, this is definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is the common denominator in this situation? This is a Bowie oh, problem. <laughs> <laughs> but is like, it so easy in, in, in like monogamous or in relationships where it, you use only two people can, can, communicating, um, it's so easy for those things to sit just between those two people and for blame to exist on that. Obviously, it's, it's not me. I'm not the problem. It's you. Or I, I don't have it, stuff coming up. It, it's you. And then um, when we have this opportunity of, of being with two people and having them communicating and all of us, because quite often we would sit down together as a three and talk stuff out. And I think that that creates space for we kind of have to hear stuff at that point. Mm. Yeah. Your, um, you, Felicity, your um, setting of boundaries and your level of communication really inspired me to be able to speak up for myself in our relationship, my relationship with Bowie, because mm. there were times where you said what you were feeling and what you were thinking and setting your boundaries and that was exactly my experience, except my experience that I wasn't able or too afraid to communicate myself. And not only was that affirming of, wow, it's not just me, you know, I'm not just going crazy in my mind and having to, like, you know, deal with deal yeah. with it on my own. I was a bit shit there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, we're, we're yeah, all a bit shit I was able to, Yeah, but I was able to, like, see a, um, I guess, be, yeah, be inspired, see what, setting that boundaries looks like, seeing what communication looks like. And um, and I really thank you for that because now um, my communication has just gotten so much better. I'm able to set boundaries better um, and able to say things when I feel them instead of just pushing them down and feeling like I need, I need to push them down for our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. Interestingly, there's the the then because the thing is, you know, in every relationship there's two sides. People say, but actually in our relationship there's three sides, right? So then my side of it being that, you know, when and I did a little bit do this, um, but like when I feel like because I've been in abusive relationships before, and so I'm hypersensitive to that stuff. When I feel like somebody's not, I feel like I'm not being respected. I have a habit of just being like washing my hands of it and walking away. Like, actually, I'm, I'm out. I can't be fucked. It's like a, my escape route for my safety. And um, I did have to do that a little bit in our relationship just for my own self. But what watching you did for me, Zay, and being able to connect 
be still be connected between the two of you is I think you helped me continue to have faith in Bowie. To have faith that 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 they were genuinely working and genuinely doing the work and genuinely leaning in, and I I, I mean not being not the nesting partner gave me that space to be able to just completely step away, which I need. But um, yeah, I think that there was the flip side of it is that you were really helping me to have faith and to stick stick in my belief with Bowie because Bowie's an awesome human being, and we all have our shit that comes up and our habits that come up and at some point in our lives and often multiple points in our life we have to look at that same habit and unpack it and realign ourselves with integrity and I think in um relationships as just two people it can easily slip into continuing habituality where we this is in my experience either where it becomes kind of an abusive dynamic or it can slip into just to clarify Bowie wasn't I wouldn't say Bowie was being abusive I'm just saying that when we slip into habits and they become deeply ingrained then dynamics can form and in in double couple in like a two people couples that can cause that to happen or the opposite can happen and it just we just burst apart which is my thing now I'm just like nah I'm out not doing this and having three people for me meant that on some level I could step back and also still keep my connection and still keep my faith and belief and friendship with Bowie because of this idea that one person doesn't have to meet all your needs. And so Bowie was still going through their process and still, and you two were like uh, such a, a, with a primary relationship, you know, um, to each other. So, yeah, I think for me it was uh, having three people in that dynamic was really great for me because it taught me to keep trusting and it taught me to keep having faith and keep leaning in and and totally was worth it because Bo's awesome and it, just because my I got all my defences up because that's what happens is one thing one small thing can trigger me and all my defences go up and I'm like nah nah fuck off keep away can't do this <laughs> and I can't see the person who's really there in front of me and so what you did Zay was to keep reminding me to see the person who really was there in front of me which is, is Bowie yeah I'm grateful to both of you, though, because no one in my life has ever been like, hey, maybe this isn't okay. Mm. <laughs> this isn't, you know, maybe you need to look at this. And it's taught me to be accountable and responsible for my emotions and how I express myself and be more thoughtful. I wouldn't be, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have come to the point where I'm at now without that feedback, without, yeah, without hearing the things that I needed to hear. So so that once they're pointed out, it's like, yeah, okay, I can see that. I can, I can see, I see this cycle. I see the repetition in my actions and I don't want to be that way. I, I do want to change. I want to feel better because it doesn't feel nice, you know, having these, experiences that I draw from from my past and bringing those up and kind of fueling that cycle so it was really I think a big opportunity for me to learn and grow and understand that there's better ways that I can express myself and there's better ways I can talk about my thoughts or how I feel Hmm. I'm doing sparkle fingers I've done so many zoom meetings now my response is to do sparkle fingers (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. 
Um, and then, and I want to just say, like, for people listening, I don't in any way believe in one way of relating. I don't believe that, you know, that people should be polyamorous or they should be monogamous or they should be in throuples or they should be in polypods or they should be, you know, in monogamous relationships between two people. I believe that we create our relationships based on the people that we're with and we create our dynamics based on the people that we're with. And I saw us do that because I saw other people come in and out of our dynamic as well. During the time that we were together, there was a few other people who kind of came in and drifted back out again. Um, and there was also how our relationship then changed over time. And I believe that a big part of that was just that who we were was changing and our needs were changing. And the, and the two of you went deep into business and deep into focusing in on on work and business and I was deep in solo parenting and deep in a, a massive iron deficiency as well I wasn't really aware that I had um so the idea of driving 40 minutes to see you was just like shatteringly tiring for me um but I what I really love is that I don't we never we never broke up no, but we also no. didn't really ghost. It was a little bit of ghosting, maybe, but it wasn't officially ghosting. I think it was more just we were all busy, and mm. so we just kind of gently drifted out of each other's lives, and in a in a romantic way, but we've stayed so connected as friends, and yeah. and business as well in business and friendship. Mm-hmm. And to me, that speaks to expectation a little bit. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's because when you think about kind of having being with someone and being intimate and for such a long time too, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had, a, I guess, my long-term relationship and for it to mm-hmm. kind of just be like not, it didn't really stop. I think just the, di- yeah, like you said, the dynamic changed. It wasn't because when you say like we didn't break up, it's just like, Oh, yeah. Like there was no official point. It's like, okay, that's it. Now we stop doing these things <laughs> and now we have to do these things instead. And it, it's never it's never been that. It's just like mm-hmm. always kind of followed its own kind of flow with where we've all been at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and again, I think like some relationships can do that and some relationships can't. Sometimes you need the boundaries to come in and that's what, what people need to to. to to kind of create safety for themselves. But I just really love that there was no, I didn't feel like there was any questioning. We all kind of knew when it wasn't okay to just pass each other anymore. Like <laughs> it just kind of, it just stopped happening. We're like, okay, that's not a thing we do anymore. <laughs> I don't remember one time where we tried and it wasn't okay. I just feel like right. we all kind of knew when it wasn't happening anymore and we weren't doing it. And, um, and just to clarify, again, for people at home, like when we say it was a long-term relationship, we don't mean that like, we were just casually seeing each other and going out occasionally on dates. We were like, I was going over multiple times a week. We were eating people at each other's house multiple times a week. They they drove to Queensland to get a bigger bed that would fit me in it. Um, and I actually remember the day that you told me you were going to do that. And it was actually that day at the um, at Abbotsford Convert. So it was like within like a week or two of us connecting. Um which is like full on U-Haul style, you know, on some level you were like, so just so you know, you know, we definitely want to be in a relationship, all three of us together. We both want you to be our girlfriend. And um, by the way, in January, in like five months time, we're going to drive to Queensland and get the bigger bed for us so you can be in the bed with us. And I was like, oh my God, this is petrifying and amazing at the same time. 
And we built a bed. And we, we built a bed for a little yeah. bedroom for Kaya in our lounge room. And yeah, yeah. you got a bedroom for Kaya, seat. and you got a toilet seat for her as well. And yeah. um, and yeah, that integration, like, as it wasn't just me either; it was me and Kaya that we were all invited in to that to this relationship, and it was just such a beautiful, beautiful, and very, I think, rare experience to have. And I'm really grateful for. Yeah, mm. me too. Me three. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yes. are> cute. <laughs> um, I also remember I was talking to someone the other day. I mean, we're get, we're coming close to the end of our hour now. I think, um, but I wanted just uh, speak to the awkwardness of showing up or the not awkwardness, depending on how you look at it, of, of showing up in social spaces um, in a way that doesn't fit the norm and it very overtly doesn't fit the norm. I was interviewing, um, in fact, you, Vico, Vico Ortiz, who is Vero in These Thems, and I interviewed them a couple of days ago. So this would have come, this will come out, uh, that interview will be out before this one, I think. And... Um, we were talking, they were talking about being a bigger name, getting their reputation more known, going to events and how will that work as someone who's poly, bringing different dates every time. And I was reflecting on the feeling of being invited somewhere and being like, well, I don't want a plus one, I need a plus two. It's not one or we're, we're in a relationship together, so I need two plus tickets. And, um, and I remember going places like going to... I'm not going to name the name of it, but we went to a queer event together with our different Tathra. And, um, and it was just like, we were the only non couple where there was, in, there was sin- singles and there was couples, but we were the only people that were there as a three, um, which isn't surprising because it's not very well known, but I could, I really felt it. And I felt such pride in us as a, as, <laughs> as a relationship, such like, like glowing pride. I wanted to like just walk with the two of you, one on each arm and just like walk through the room like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what was your experience? I mean, Zaya, both of you, because although I say that I did, it hadn't occurred to me that we would be in a relationship together. I want to clarify that I had been in relationships with couples but usually I was in a relationship with one person in the couple and then I was in a friendship with the other person they were my like I think they call them metamors um or I've been in like kind of sexual connections with couples where we would have you know threesomes every now and then but what we had was different it was a relationship it was mm. it wasn't just fuck buddies and it wasn't just I wasn't just the person that gets invited into the couple for some sex I really felt like you welcomed me we we were we were in a relationship as the three of us and um how was it for you going out into the world and also really you know like telling your family I mean some some members of your family knew about it um and how was that experience for the two of you I I was pretty comfortable with it um I think because publicly I've been kind of in those it was similar situations, not so, um, not like events, but like just being out in public with multiple partners. Um, I told my family it was pretty funny actually because I told them when we went up to get the bed. <laughs> it's like going up there. So before I'd left last time, I'd come out to them as non-binary and I'm like, 
my name is Bowie now and I use they, them pronouns. So this second time I come back, which was what maybe pushing a year later, I was like, okay, so we're getting my bed. Um, Zay and I are in a polyamorous relationship. We have a girlfriend. Her name is Fleecy. Fleecy has a child named Kaya and (laughs) (laughs) my whole family, like my my whole uh, close friend, my parents and my my brother and sister were there and they're all just like, oh, okay, whatever makes you happy. And then that was the end of it. That was it. (laughs) They've always been like that. They've always been like that. That's my family. I think they've stopped being surprised with me coming out with things. (laughs) Yeah. I think my family too. I remember um, introducing you to my dad over Skype when I went back to the UK or over, was it Skype? It says Skype. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everyone uses Skype. You can tell I'm I'm an 80s kid, right? I got to... yeah, so I, I I remember introducing you to my my parent, my dad, and um, my dad being a bit like a bit confused by it, but kind of totally just at that point. At this point, I think my dad's just given up, really, <laughs> trying, to, trying to funnel me into anything. And then when I, my mum met you, Bowie, I think my mum got a crush on you. My mum's your mum was flirting with me. So bad. I know, mum. I know you're listening to this. I know you're listening to this hey, and mom. we know, we, we see, we see you um, and we love you. I never you weren't there. It was uh, Fleecy had a party at her place and you were unwell or something. So I'd gone around um, towards the end of the night. Um, it was and it left. ended up being, it was you, me, Rory and your mum left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never knew about this. You never told me that Flinky's <laughs> mum was flirting with you. <laughs> so that, that was one of the first times that you'd really met Rory as well. So Rory is my current partner for those people yeah. listening and we've been together nearly three years now. And, um, yeah, and so, and as you know, my relationship with you two didn't break off, so we kind of drifted apart and then I, I met Rory. And... Um, Yeah, so I remember sitting there in the sofa and I had, you know, my mum and then I think it was you and then me and then Rory all, like, cuddling together on the sofa. And I was just like, this is... It just just felt like such, like, a quintessential moment of my life. (laughs) (laughs) My mum is flirting with one of my no longer lovers. (laughs) And just to clarify, my mum wasn't genuinely, like, I don't think my mum was trying anything. She's ha- very happily monogamously married. That's her lifestyle. Yeah. But she's a flirtatious, she's, you know, we, we come from the same seed. We're highly flirtatious beings in our family. And, um, yeah, I just I just liked that. I liked that when I introduced you to my family, there was more than acceptance. You know, it was acceptance of, like, an incredibly enc- incredible encouragement as well. Yeah. Sorry, Zay, you weren't there to be flirted with. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my oh, mum would have flirted with you too. <laughs> She'd better. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, candles. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I can end the episode on my mum flirting with Bowie, so I feel like we need to have one more conversation before I close this episode. Well, I still hadn't told my parents about oh, our relationship. Yeah. They still don't know. They still don't know now. So if they listen mm. to this podcast and they will know. Well, yeah, because they were actually, I mean, you live underneath them in the same building. So I was coming over there and 
they were coming in and, and so innocently smiling at us. And I'd like turn up in the evening, leave the next day, and there's no extra beds in your house. And I don't know how that didn't click at any point. I think they <laughs> but, just um, pretended not to notice and not think about it. Yeah. I don't know. I Well, I just don't think it's a concept. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually don't think that I think that they probably didn't think of it. I don't think that they mm. pick these things up. Mm. Um, yeah. It's just so off the radar. Yeah. And mm. it's not something that um, I think that they would understand. Mm. Um, I think it is something that I will eventually tell them, but I think it's something mm. that I have been avoiding and it's not mm. something, you know, um, I think if our relationship continued much longer I would have because I didn't like not telling them. Um, but that, we actually had it back higher so often and stuff like that too. <laughs> yeah, it was like, and she was so hanging for a grandchild as well. And so I was like, I would come to our family dinners. Yeah, you would come to the family dinners with Zay's parents and us. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I did, I mean, your sister knew and they were, and, you, and they were so supportive as well. Um, but, but I remember we actually had got to the point where I think we were about to have, we talked about me coming over for a meal and booked it in, but I don't think that ever happened because at that point we, mm. that was when we started to drift apart around that, not, not connected that those two things weren't connected, but just that that was around that same time. But yeah, we just kind of got to that point where I didn't feel, I felt like I was lying. I was always at their house. They were always hanging out with, me and playing with Kaya and and but I was afraid of it affecting how they saw me I think Mm. yeah and I was I was also afraid of how they would how they would see it Mm. I was afraid that they would completely reject it that they would Mm. say something hurtful um that they would be really unsupportive um yeah and that's just based off, I guess, my past experiences coming out to them um, in different, like coming, having to come out to them <laughs> mm-hmm. as being not cisgender, not heterosexual. Um, and, mm. yeah. But now that I'm much better at communicating, I think it's something that I would really love to be open um, to them about. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, you could always just send them a link to this podcast. And it's not a podcast. I could. <laughs> listen to this. Let's talk <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, I totally. could. Although how well they're away. Would they, <laughs> would they prefer to hear it from me or from a podcast episode? <laughs> from me or from me on recordings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I... I so coming towards the end of the of our of our chat because we could keep talking forever and but um I'm not going to well we we will we'll keep talking forever but the people don't have to keep listening to that um <laughs> I feel like there's some really strong points that have come up through the podcast one of them being around like uh, expression of self through business and your business voice and the other one being expression of self through relationships and communicating in relationships and I'd love to um, ask you both you know, for, for the people who are listening, if there are people listening who want to have better communication in relationships, whatever their relationship is, um, I'm going to ask one of you, then ask the other one, like, um, 
Bowie for you as someone who had to go through a lot of self-unpacking, I guess, in relationship as well as being the person who had experience previously with polyamory, um, what would you say to people who, no matter what kind of relationship they're wanting to form, who want to communicate better and want to have better relationships? I think it's important to be really honest with yourself. I think I spent a long time disbelieving that I was acting in ways that was upsetting. I thought I was right. I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to hear and I didn't want to be accountable. So I think being honest with yourself and being willing to be accountable for the way you act is so important. It's the, I think the biggest lesson I've learned. It's, it's like, it's okay to feel whatever you want to feel, but how you express that and how you communicate that to those around you, it's not okay to not manage your shit. It's not someone else's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Um, and that's definitely been my biggest lesson um, through um, our relationship, through my relationship with Zay as as we've kind of grown um, over the past five years now that, yeah, you got to be accountable and listen when someone is telling you that what you're doing is upsetting them because you, you're not right in <laughs> saying, no, I'm not. It's like, no, that's not a thing. It's like you can't tell someone else what their experience is. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's my biggest and, and yeah, those people, and for those people who are, like, for all of us, really, who are having to look at those hard parts of ourselves, it's not easy to do. Oh, it's, 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 it, felt, it feels horrible, and you feel like shit, and it's, it was really challenging to not shame myself for it, or be like, oh, well, like, I jokingly say that, you know, I was a bit of a shit person, but, um, I don't actually think that now, but at the time when I was going through those experiences, I did, I felt quite hopeless and I felt stuck and I still struggled to see objectively like what was actually going on for me because I was very caught in those emotions and it took a lot of work to separate myself from the emotions so that I could then work through it. Um, yeah. Mm. Beautiful. And thank you for working through it, Bowie, because it's a beautiful thing for all of us and we get to see more <laughs> of who you really are, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Zay, then to you, for people who struggle to communicate their feelings, there was this great moment earlier that you said, you know, that you didn't even know what you were feeling, but you were feeling something. And I think that's true for a lot of people. We're not brought up with um, kind of emotional intelligence isn't taught to us, really. It wasn't for my generation anyway that I, I'm aware of. Um, definitely wasn't for the generations before us. It was just like suck it up and get on with it kind of kind of mindset. And um, and I think cross-culturally as well there are different different um, different ways that people are taught and a lot of cultures kind of suppress emotional um communication and I I wonder for you as someone who's had to look at that in yourself what would you say to people who are wanting to 
you know, get better at knowing what it is they're feeling and communicating what it is they're feeling with the people around them. And I think this is really important, especially in relationships, because when I was single, it was easy for me to suppress my feelings and get away with it and go through life just kind of, you know, because I didn't have to be facing it every day, you know, living with someone that was, you know, reflecting back to me, you know, um, you know, what was going on. <laughs> and so being with Bowie, like one of the things that I, that happened was I lost trust in myself. Being with Bowie, I trusted their feelings more than I trusted my own feelings. And mm. I, I lost the ability to feel anything and know what it was um, and and be able to communicate it. Um, mm. Yeah, it was it was really challenging. And one of the things that that I would say is to if you're feeling something, trust yourself. Trust it. Mm. You know, and don't let anyone else tell you what you should be feeling or that their feelings are more important. Because whatever you're feeling is whatever you're feeling, you know, that's, and that's okay. And life's too short to keep holding it down because the more that you hold it down or try to change it or try to move those feelings away, the more that they just eat away at you, the moment we can express it. And, of course, express it in a... Um, appropriate way <laughs> and the sooner you express it the more appropriate it's going to be you know the longer that you keep it inside the bigger it explodes out of you um in my experience anyways um so yeah it's not an easy journey to start trusting yourself and what you're feeling and be able to communicate it um and it just takes bit by bit just try one little mm. thing and even if mm. it backfires, if you get shut down or if, you know, whatever whatever happened doesn't go perfectly, doesn't go your way, doesn't mean to forget trying to never do it again. Just keep trying. Just keep doing it. Just keep chipping away at it. That's what I did mm. to get to where I am now and it worked pretty well. Scary but worth it, so worth it. Mm. And it's a big journey and I want to just name that, that like, you know, you've been together five years and I think we we get into relationships and the shit comes up. It came up for us as a three as well. Uh, shit comes up and it's never going to be fixed overnight. And um, and I, I noticed that. I noticed that in us when we were starting to do it. We'd have the conversation and we'd be like, great, we understand what's going on now. It's all going to be better. And then like a week later, the same shit would be happening again. It would be like, ah, you know, because it's, cause it doesn't happen overnight. Even if you know what the problem mm. is, even if you know what your habits are, even if you know, because we all three of us had our habits we were slipping into, right? And even if we know what those habits are, it's not going to fix overnight. But if you, you know, within a safe context, if you're able to keep leaning in and keep working on it and you know that you're both in it together, both doing the work or all in it together, all doing the work, then, yeah, then it, it, it just takes that bit of time. It takes time, but it's so worth it. 
you know, for me in my relationship with you two, for me in my current relationship as well, getting over that periods, those periods of intensity to find the kind of the playing, like I feel like joyful, joyful playing fields at the other end, you know, <laughs> where you can actually be so much more of yourself uh, once you get over the other side of it. Mm. And I think, you know, if you can tell when your partner's trying, like genuinely mm. trying, um, and in some relationships maybe, you know, the best thing is is to leave, is to mm. separate. I'm not saying you always have to endure for years and years to, you know, wait for someone to change because, you know, if if they're not changing and some people just don't want to change, mm. then that's Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this is where boundaries come in so well. I mean, you talked earlier about my boundaries. And I think for me, after having been in a relationship that I had been in not long before meeting the two of you, where I went for years of going, okay, we're working on it. We're working on it. They're trying, they're trying. And they just weren't, they just weren't trying actually. Um, they were just kind of waiting for the, for it to blow over so they could carry on in their own way. And, and so in that moment, my boundary was actually, I do have to step away for a while. Um, but I think, yeah, that's when, when we can understand what our boundaries and our needs are and our preferences are. It means that, you know, I feel like me me putting that boundary up for a little while meant that I could actually have a better, longer relationship with Bowie and with Yuse and that our relationship as three people and as a unit has stayed so beautiful and so strong is because I, I did have to step away. So just speaking, yeah, to those of you who are listening who are in this situation, only you know you're the only one who knows whether you need to lean in or step away in these moments. And, um, and like, yeah, like both, both Bowie and Zaya said, it's hard work, but just trust, trust it. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> okay, beauties. Well, um, we have come to the end of this beautiful conversation. And I just want to say that I'm absolutely like so grateful that you when I pitched it that we would talk about these topics that you said yes because because um, they're big they're big and they're really personal and mm. they're revealing you know it's very vulnerable to reveal this stuff to the world um, I trust my gorgeous community of listeners that they will take this and do beautiful things with it rather than kind of like go yeah you dirty queers <laughs> or something <laughs> um, and if they do that that's fine you can say that I don't care yeah. um, but <laughs> Um, yes, I'm just really grateful that you were so open to this conversation. Yeah, thank you for the conversation, Fleecy. I I think this stuff is so important <laughs> yeah. and needs to be talk, talked about. Yeah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, is there any last thing you'd like to say, Bowie? No, I'm good. No. Okay. Any last thing you'd like to say, Zay? Oh, just thank you for listening. And I hope you got something from the conversation and have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Yeah. And if any of you are interested, um, Bowie and Zay are both such incredible humans. If you haven't already got that, you need to get that into your little skulls. Um, and Bowie is an amazing, amazing trainer. Um, and they both work really hard on the Fearless Movement Collective. So if you want to, if you identify as trans or gender diverse or you're part of the trans and gender diverse community and you want to um, 
work on your fitness or you want to work on is it natural transition is that something that you that you work with as well non-medical transitioning um so yeah sorry even medical yeah people who want to shape their bodies regardless of whether they're pursuing any sort of medical avenues we Mm. work with everyone Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the language uh, upgrade there for me. Um, Yeah. So if you're interested in that stuff, I highly recommend working with um, checking out Bowie and Zay. I'll have links to their stuff in the show notes. So check them out. Um, And I think that's all I have to say. So thank you very much and goodbye, beautiful beings. Bye-bye. Thanks, Placey. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Fierce, Gentle, The Courageous Voice podcast, hosted by myself, Felicity Malay, and music and editing done by Rory McDougall. If there's anything you've heard in this podcast that you like the idea of, check out the show notes below for links. And if you want to see this podcast continuing, please consider joining me over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fleecy.